G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Monday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. And this morning, uh, so Theresa May's on the way out. Uh, let's review what she's achieved and what she hasn't. Uh, some Fuller's Ferry frustration and fury for you. Yes, it's Alliteration Monday. Uh, Jamie Oliver, a, a bit of frustration directed at his way and uh, the drunk Pelosi video that's not a real video. But before any of that, uh, what's the government done with our surplus? To their credit, since of course abandoned, they outlined their intention to reduce debt to 20% of GDP. It was a general intention set out, of course, by the previous national government. The whole point of an economy is fiscal success. The whole idea is to run the thing at a surplus and retire debt. The whole point is after you do that consistently, you can look at giving back some of the money you took from the punter in the first place. That's called a tax cut. 20% is a very good, internationally recognised, respectable, conservative figure. And even though they cancelled the scheduled tax cuts of National, Labour insisted that there would still be surpluses and they would still be out there to reduce debt. Well, that dream's over. And once again... I ask myself, was it because they knew they were going to do this all along, or did they simply find themselves out of their depth and have been forced into it? And when I say forced into it, it won't be as though they've dragged themselves kicking and screaming to the decision. I mean, this lot of taxes and spenders. The fuel tax, the GST tax on the roaming, the CGT attempt, they're all proof, all the proof you need to know what their overarching intentions are. And do not rule out... Before next year, another attempt to rejig the tax structure to capture yet more money from the high-income earners. Meantime, they are trying their best to pretend that abandoning the 20% target and replacing it with a range is anything other than a spend-up and a launch into the world of debt and borrowing. The range at 15 to 25% is nothing of the sort. In reality, it's an increase from 20 to 25. It will never be 15 or anything close to it. Now, can they afford it? Yes, they can. Do others have much higher debt levels? Of course they do, but that's not the point. If all you ever aspire to is to not be as bad as the worst example you can find, you're not aspiring to much at all, are you? They're calling this Thursday a well-being budget, as though that actually means anything. What this government does do well, I'll tell you this, what they do do well is spin BS. All budgets are well-being, given they involve handing out money to people, And when the people who get the money, they feel good about it, so their well-being is proportionately on the rise, I would have thought. In the noise and the hype and the headlines of this week, never forget the simple truth. They've spent all the money, the economy is slowing, and so they've broken their promise to be responsible. They've reverted to type. They don't know how, and even if they do, they now refuse to run an economy within its means. I'm so glad I've got Mike to explain these things to me. I don't know how they work. Uh, certainly uh, having... Uh, money in the bank rather than owing money seems like a good idea, but I'm sure it's more complicated than that. Uh, that's why I don't understand it. Uh, things have got way too complicated for Theresa May. She's gone. But of course, having achieved the first trick, the follow-up is a place in the history books. A successful tenure, accompanied by reform and economic as well as political success, or in her specific case, a delivery of Brexit. It ultimately was a mess of a premiership. She did get herself elected, having inherited the job from Cameron, of course, who ran for the hills in a seven-figure book deal. But the election was less a triumph and more of a crawl across the line, if you remember. I thought for a moment there, when she called the snap poll, she looked remarkably Thatcher-esque, throwing caution to the wind to play more often than not that pays off. And ironically, early polls showed she had read the mood brilliantly. But what do we know about polls these days, eh? But by the time she had sold out to the DUP by writing mammoth checks to secure their support, it looked shakier by the day. To her credit, she can always hold her head high on what she ultimately tried to do, which was to give the British people what they actually voted for. Far better 
to have been defeated trying to do the right thing than hang on having sold out. You can probably quite correctly argue she was not much of a negotiator. All that chutzpah that saw her call the snap poll appeared to go missing when it came to dealing with the Europeans who were always going to be the snivelling, miserable, sore losers they turned out to be. They had nothing to gain by playing fair in negotiations and it is why we have seen the likes of Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson rise to new levels of support. They saw all this, of course, three years ago and backed their own country and its chances over that of a collective of ne'er-do-wells across the channel. But poor old Theresa, for reasons best known to herself, soldiered on under the delusion that if she acquiesced enough, something remarkable would come out of it by way of a deal. The half-baked mess she brought back, of course, could never be supported, and from then on it was basically over. She's further diminished her legacy by doing what she has done these past couple of months, which is live in denial. So a job inherited... A task gargantuan, a shabby electoral victory and no delivery of Brexit. That's the three years of May. If we accept the greats of the modern era are Thatcher and Blair, she sadly will be the smallest of footnotes soon forgotten. Um, I think people will remember her, won't they? It's hard when you're in the middle of it to know how memorable somebody's career is going to be. Um, now, have you ever had a memorable boat trip? What about when you have to try and take the boat every day, but sometimes it's there and sometimes it isn't and sometimes it's too much? Waiheke is a fascinating place. Waiheke is where my in-laws live, apart from anything else. So I've, I've been to Waiheke a lot. It's an island in the uh, the Gulf off Auckland, if you're listening around the rest of the country. And the problem with Waiheke is it's an island. And you'll generally note that with islands, not a lot of roads leave them, and therefore you're reliant on a boat. And the problem with the reliance on the boat is that it's run basically by one company and has been forever. And they're not a particularly good company and they don't run a particularly good service and they never really have, and in my experience. And that's why I actively don't go to Waiheke, not that I don't love the in-laws. It's because that getting on the boat, the transportation system is shocking. And every now and again, a competitor's come along and they've given it a go and basically they've been priced out of the market and they've never lasted. So good old fullers uh, just run this monopolistic service and they say it's one of the most expensive stretches of water in the world because they can charge whatever they like and now come winter time they reduce their services because obviously the tourist numbers are down and the locals are fed up and they're over it and apparently there's been um, there's been the commuters and staff going head to head the staff on fullers are now afraid for their safety there has been hijackings of the gangway people are so upset on Waiheke about do, do the people super- When they're doing that, do they go, aha, me hearties? That's a good question. I don't know. I would. I'd wear a patch and take along a sword. Or at least have a hook. And say, shiver me timbers! Or something like that. But I don't know whether they do that. But anyway, they um, they held the gangway hostage, such as the anger. But this is a classic example of when you have a monopoly and there is no competition to keep you sharp or interested or polite or courteous, or indeed your customer's happy. This is where it ends up. And you're stuck on an island, and you've got a crappy service to get to the mainland, so what do you do? You hijack the gangplank, basically. I really I really feel like pirate-themed ferry trips, that's a real business opportunity that's not being taken up yet. Um, but what, I, what do I know about business opportunities? Probably about as much as Jamie Oliver, if recent events are anything to go by. The British press have started to pick on Jamie Oliver. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why the British press, and, and it's it's applicable to, sadly, the press in most of the Western world. So Jamie Oliver falls over last week as companies into administration. But he's got a nice house. It's a £6 million house in Essex. It's a mansion. And he's got the renovators in. He's got the scaffolding up and he's, he's spending. So the inference is, of course, that when you go under as a business, you must also personally go under as well. You need to go live in a caravan. 
So I'm not sure whether they're just being just plain mean and nasty and it's the tall poppy syndrome, or the people who write this crap actually don't understand the fundamentals of business, for goodness sake. Yeah, I mean, uh, just because uh, you aren't very good at business doesn't mean that you can't be a success. Um, I would have thought that they would be picking Jamie Oliver to be the next president of the United States of America, the right he's going. He probably needs to fail another sort of six or seven times for that to happen, of course. Uh, speaking of American politics, uh, what's with this uh, drunk Pelosi video that's not really drunk Pelosi? This this Nancy Pelosi thing, uh, if you've not seen it, don't go look at it. It's crap, but it's up on Facebook, and Facebook are refusing to put take it down. It's a fake video. It deliberately alters her speech to make her appear drunk. Everybody accepts it's fake. Uh, YouTube acted, they've pulled it down. Facebook say, yes, it's false, but we're not pulling it down. And that, in a nutshell, is why Jacinda Ardern should not have flown halfway around the world to France. The other reason she should not have flown halfway around the world to France is Macron is a waste of space politically. And we found that out this morning because Le Pen spanked him in the EU results. Those have just come through. She wins, he doesn't. So... He's a spent force. So she's hanging out basically with the wrong people and achieving nothing. It's all noise. It's just wah, 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 wah. And Facebook, for all the noise they made in Paris, you knew full well. You knew full well they're not interested in the agenda. They will do what they want to do because primarily two things drive Facebook. One is the bottom line. And two is the fundamental premise of free speech. And even though something is false and probably morally wrong, and they probably would accept it in their quiet moments, they're not, for business's sake, prepared to do anything about it. So she was wasting her time engaging them in the first place. Uh, but certainly something needs to be done about um, uh, videos. Uh, the, the, the number of videos of me that where I appear to be drunk out there, it's out of hand. Um, rather uncharitably, Mike suggested this morning that perhaps I should... Stop um, getting drunk and videoing myself. Uh, admittedly, that would probably help to some extent as well. Might have missed the point of that story. No change there. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that was the rewrap. I'll be missing more points for you here again tomorrow. See you then.